There we go. So what does baptism actually mean? Because you know what? It's a little bit strange, isn't it? Didn't you think about it? When this building was built in the 1970s, they built a, a small sort of tank in the stage here. And today we are going to, we, well, we already have filled it up with warm water. I think it's warm. <laughs> no, it is warm. Trust me. First thing I did this morning was stuck my hand in. Um, and we're going to put these guys in the water and we're going to dunk them in over their heads. And you think, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Let's be honest, that's a bit of a strange thing to do. So what are we actually doing? <coughs> so first thing to say is we're doing what Jesus told us to do. Some of Jesus' final words in, recorded in Matthew says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Some of Jesus' last words that were recorded before he left the earth. So make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a learner. Someone, in this case, who is learning about the Christian faith from another disciple who is further along the road than they are. So Jesus tells his disciples, go and make other disciples. And that's what they did. And they made other disciples and they made other disciples and they made other disciples, etc., 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 until here we are today, a couple of thousand years later. And one of Jesus' disciples, a man named Peter, preached a sermon early on, and, and the, just as the church had started, and he said this, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he was talking to just a crowd of people that had gathered. He wasn't in a church outside crowd of people and he said repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins so peter says to the people you need to firstly repent secondly be baptized and then have your sins forgiven so what what does that actually mean so the word repent it's got a bit of a bad name i think that word you see, for most of us, if we think of the word repent, it makes us think of an angry preacher with a very long finger. Yeah, some of you may have grown up in churches where the preacher had a finger that seemed to be an extra joint longer. <laughs> and it seemed to point a little bit further than like a normal finger should. And sometimes they would be quite angry and waving their finger, using the threat of hell and damnation to try and coerce people into behaving themselves. Now, I'm not saying that every old preacher is like that. Please don't quote that. But I'm just saying sometimes we can get that impression, you know, an angry preacher's repent or, you know, God's going to come and smite you. Does that represent God well? One of the main uh, writers of the New Testament was a man named Paul. And Paul had an interesting journey. He began as someone who persecuted the church. He killed Christians, literally. And that's how he began. But he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and he changed his life. And then he wrote most of the New Testament. And this is some of the words that he wrote. He said this about God. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. 
So God is not an angry old man sitting up on a cloud somewhere with a long pointy finger waiting to smite anyone who put a foot wrong. Paul isn't saying repentance isn't necessary, but what he's saying is that God wants to show us his kindness and his acceptance. And in that kindness and acceptance, it leads us to repentance. You see, if you come to repentance that way, it generates love for God. If we come to repentance because we're scared of the man with the pointy finger, that generates fear and shame. But what actually is repentance then? Repentance is literally changing, being changed. So how do we change? Firstly, if we're going to change anything, it's our thoughts that change. Repentance is literally, first off, changing your mind, thinking differently. And you know when you begin to think differently about anything, gradually our behaviours change. So why does God want our behaviours to change? Is God a killjoy? When I was growing up, you know, I was quite often told, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Life was about what you couldn't do because you're a Christian, so you can't, you know. Is God a killjoy? Not at all. Jesus spent a lot of time, if you read the Gospels, with ordinary people, eating and drinking, people who the religious leaders of the day thought were bad people. Jesus used to spend time in their company, enjoying himself. God is not a killjoy. But God knows what's best for us, and he wants us to grow in love, in joy, in peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Can you imagine what life would be like if we were more loving, more joyful, if we lived in peace, And I don't just mean lack of war, although that would be good. I'm talking about peace of mind. If we were more patient with each other, what if we were kinder? What if we did good to one another rather than evil? What if we were faithful and true, had more self-control? What if we lived in a society where those attributes were prevalent? Think how society would change. Think how family would change. Think how you would change. You see, we can get into the the wrong thinking of thinking, well, when the government gets itself together, then society will change. When they put more money into this, that or the other, we notice there's never enough money. Never enough money. Even if they announce the government's put a billion pounds, I don't even know how many zeros a billion is. But, uh, yeah, put a billion pounds, oh, well, we needed two billion Yeah, there's never enough. But society will only change when we all change. And when our minds grow in the way that God designed for us. So are we saying then that we all need to just try really hard to change ourselves? Unfortunately, that doesn't work, does it? If any of you have ever tried to change something about yourself by making a big effort, you'll know that it doesn't work. We just don't have the willpower. And life is hard. So what's the answer? Let's read again the verse that I read earlier. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So Peter said, repent, yes, but that's not all. He also said, be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, baptism is a symbol. When we come to baptise later, you'll see that we take the person down into the water. And water symbolises being washed, having our sins washed away. What is sin? Mainly the opposite of the attributes we've just read. Instead of love, joy and peace, we find hate, strife and being quick to lose our temper. Being unkind, treating people badly, being deceitful and out of control amongst others. These are the things in our lives that cause divisions among family and friends. It excludes people. It means that some people are the haves and some are the have-nots. We cannot change ourselves by trying harder. Today is the 11th of February. Is there anyone who has a New Year's resolution that's still going? (coughs) That you've known. I I doubt it. Perhaps you didn't make any. But you know what I'm saying. But Jesus offers a way forward and this is what baptism represents. (coughs) But before we go there, let's just stand aside and think about something else. You see, we all live in a world of comparison. If you do social media, and I realise many of you won't, you'll, you'll see pictures on there of other people's perfect lives, won't you? Perfect families. What a lovely group of children they have. I bet they never argue. People who live in homes that, wow, they should be in the ideal home exhibition. Look at their house. If you don't do social media, you see things on the TV or in the newspaper. Maybe you look at your neighbours. How do they afford that car? What have they got that, you know, have they afforded that car? But why are they so confident and I'm not? We compare ourselves badly to others, but we also sometimes compare ourselves favourably to others. I'm not as bad as them. I wonder if I mention some names and I've... And you tell me whether you think these people are good or bad or somewhere in the middle, all right? So I'm going to say a name, Mother Teresa... Would you say good, bad, or somewhere in the middle? Good. Good? Yeah, I think good. Okay. What about Adolf Hitler? Okay, let's make it a bit harder. Elvis Presley. Ooh. It was a bit of a mixed... Bit of a mixed thing there going on. Some are like good, some are bad. Let's put him in the middle then, shall we? Okay, this will be even more divisive now, right? Although some of you will be too young. Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) Got some votes for Margaret Thatcher. I'm not going to point in any direction, so I don't want any issues after. But some people are like, yes. Others are, yeah. Princess Diana. Good, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. What about Tanya and Tiger? Amazing. All right, what about you? (laughs) You see, we can be judgmental, can't we? But this is what Paul, the guy who had the encounter with Jesus and changed his life, this is what he said. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So yes, we might look at Adolf Hitler and go, oh gosh, way off. 
We might look at Mother Teresa and say, she was a good lady, and I'm not in any way putting the two on the same level, but Paul says, actually, we've all sinned. doesn't matter if your name's Mother Teresa, Adolf Hitler, Elvis Presley, Margaret Thatcher, Tanya, (laughs) Rachel, whatever. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, God is holy. That's his nature. He's completely sinless, and therefore he can't be with us because we can't meet his standard. As I say, it doesn't matter which one on that list you are, where you put yourself. We cannot meet God's standard. And so if God wants a relationship with people, he had to do something to make us holy like him. And what God did was he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world, to live a life to show us the way. He experienced what we experienced. He suffered. He had some highs. He had some lows. But ultimately, the reason Jesus came was to die. Mm. Jesus was God. No one could actually kill Jesus. I know we think, well, they put him to death on the cross, but no one could kill Jesus. The only way Jesus could die was to give up his life himself, and that's what he did. And when he died, he bled. Blood is a symbol of life. And Jesus' disciple Peter wrote this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. You see, Jesus died. He went down into the grave and he rose again from the dead. And when somebody is baptised, they go down into the water and then they rise back out of the water. And it's a symbol that they're identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection. They're accepting that Jesus has taken their sin and they are healed from the consequences of sin. They're being washed clean. They're saying, I want to live the way that God designed me to live, recognising that this is the best for me. I can't do this change. I can't repent on my own. But God made a way through Jesus, carrying my sin on the cross, so that I can be healed and changed. And this is what baptism is about. Does that mean then that after Tanya and Tiger come out of that water, they're going to be perfect human beings? (coughs) (laughs) They're not sure. (laughs) They're never going to argue again. Never going to wind you up. Never going to have a bad thought. I'm sorry to break the bad news, but that's not the case. You see, we still live in a crazy, mixed-up world full of stress and anxiety and temptation, and we still mess up. We all do. But let's remind ourselves of the verse we're looking at. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit, which is God, comes to live inside of us. And earlier I mentioned these attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control. The Bible calls those the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, you can expect that these things will grow inside you as you allow God to work in your life. It's not about striving to be better. You know, I was baptised yesterday. I must be absolutely perfect today. It's about working with God, working with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to grow those things inside of you. And he gives you the power 
to do it. And one of Jesus' other disciples writes this, if we admit our sins, which means simply come clean about them, he won't let us down, that's Jesus. Jesus will be true to himself, he'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. So you see, post-baptism we will still mess up, but we can go to Jesus and say, oh God, I've messed up here, and he will forgive us. You see, when, G- when God looks at people who've accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, it's like he looks at us through the lens of Jesus. You know, if I take my glasses off, I can see you a lot better. It's really good. can't read what, my, what I'm saying, but I can see you a lot better. The lens in my glasses changes the way that I see. And it's almost as though... God has a lens. And when someone is a Christian, when they're born again, when they've accepted Jesus as Saviour, and they, God looks at them through the lens of Jesus, he sees them as perfect. You know, I remember when I was, when I was a child, sort of, um, I wanted to do something and my parents didn't really approve of it. It wasn't wrong as such, they just didn't think it was a good idea. And, and, and I mean, my mum said to me, she said... Um, if you do that and then Jesus comes back, he might not take you, which is really dodgy theology, all right? If, Mom, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry, but it's dodgy theology. Because what that meant was, all the time we're walking around, you know, all the time. And that's not how it is. When God looks at you, if you're a Christian... He has the lens of Jesus and he sees you as perfect. Even if you just messed up, it's okay. And obviously we we don't want to mess up deliberately, but it's okay. So, we might see that we're not perfect, but he sees perfection. And because he sees perfection, that means we can have a relationship with the Holy God. Remember I said God was holy in his nature? It makes us holy like he is holy. And so we can have a relationship with the Holy God. And with his Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we can grow in these attributes and we can have more love and more joy and more peace, etc. So the question to leave you with today before we get the tanks out and, uh, and do what we're going to do is, have you accepted Jesus? Have you accepted him? Did you think that God was actually an angry man sitting on a cloud waiting to smite you? Or did you realise that actually God loves you and wants to draw you with his kindness and his mercy? just going to finish really by reading a verse that uh, is very, very famous. It's probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, but this is what it says. It says, This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world with an angry finger. doesn't say that. I added that in. But to save the world through him. Can you imagine giving one of your children? I've got three and no, I can't. But God loved the world. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life.
God sent his son into the world not to judge you, but to save you through him. And you know today, if you sit in there thinking, I haven't accepted this, I don't know, I don't understand, and maybe even I've got 101 questions about this, please do come and talk to us afterwards because we want to help you to understand more and more about God's love for each one of you and hopefully lead everyone into a relationship with Jesus. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that it is your kindness and your love and your mercy that draws us and leads us to repentance. And Father, we thank you that you you designed us to live in a certain way and you want us to live with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. You want us to have those gifts. You want us to have relationship with you. But we are frail, messed up human beings living in a crazy world. And it's really difficult for us, God. But we know that you have made a way. We thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way. And so I pray today, God, that there's anyone here today who has never accepted you as their Lord and Saviour, that you will speak to them today. And you will draw them by your kindness and your love and your mercy into relationship with you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.